If you're tired of the superficial and you're craving real conversation about life, relationships, fears, doubts, and the divine in the middle of it, this is the place for you. My name is Anna Dimmel, and I'm a blogger, writer, and former pastor. And it's my passion to build bridges, not walls, through honest, real conversation and connection. And I want that for you. This is the show that will help you do that and give you not only inspiration and connection, but will help you leave the superficial for good and form the real connections you're craving. Your story matters, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I am so happy you're here. Today I'm talking all about surrender. And if you're someone like me, you enjoy controlling things. You enjoy knowing that you can predict the outcome. You enjoy going down with your arms swinging in that fight. And today I'm talking about the beauty of letting go, the beauty of surrender and the power that comes when we tap into that flow, when we're able to let go and let the flow have its way. This is probably a topic that is really been cemented in my journey over the last year. And so this comes from a rather real-time place in my life. And I'm excited to talk about all of that with you guys this week. I have to say this episode is brought to us by my good friend, Robert Arnau. And Robert, I absolutely adore you. Can I call him Rob? I'm going to call you Rob. He has been an awesome supporter of this podcast, and he is one of my fellow patrons. And because of that, he gets recognized on this show every so often. So Rob, I love you. I love your support of this show. You are near and dear to my heart. And if you are interested in supporting this show, you can learn all about that on my website, justajesusfollower.com, and click on the button Patreon. With all that being said, let's jump into this topic. Here we go. So today I'm talking about this whole idea of surrender and you know, it's funny, this topic brings up a lot of thoughts in my mind, and I'm going to try to not be carried away with too many of them too fast. Any of you who are parents out there, do you have these moments where you recognize traits in your children that maybe are some traits that are kind of not your best qualities in you, and they pop out in your kids, and you're like, oh, I know where that one came from, right? Well, One of those traits for me, and I am embarrassed to say it took me four children to start recognizing this trait in myself and in my kids, is I have historically had a very hard time saying I'm sorry. I like to think that as I've matured and grown and lived some life, that that is something I've gotten better at. And I think I have, but I would be lying to say to you that it's easy for me to admit failure or to admit that I'm wrong or to 
admit that somehow I failed in what I was trying to do and it affected someone else and hurt someone else. That is so hard for me. I've seen this in in my kids, especially one of them. I'm not going to tell you which one. I know you guys have heard my kids on the podcast before. You might guess which one it is, but I have one that, and she came this way. I can't blame her. But she can be caught red-handed saying something unkind or being snippy or sassy or even being caught in a lie. And getting her to look that person in the eye and apologize is like asking her to cut off her right arm. It She will go to bed silent before she will give you the courtesy of her apology. (laughs) And as I've watched her... I've been reminded of some of the things that I did when I was her age and how I would react to someone saying I'd hurt their feelings or someone saying I'd done something wrong. I would recoil and go inward and out of my stubbornness refuse to surrender to an apology or surrender to not having the upper hand. And That to me is the perfect intro to this topic because the idea of surrender, and maybe it depends on how you're wired, but for me, and I think for a lot of people, the idea of surrender means you're giving up. It means someone else has won. It means you no longer have the power. And yet, if you have been inside the Christian faith for very long, this idea of surrender, and truthfully, any religion for that matter, this idea of complete surrender seems to be at the center of spirituality and spiritual growth and spiritual connection. These are things I want my life to be built around. These are are principles that I want to be innately woven in my daily practices and in my daily mantras and in the way I run my home, my family, and my thought life even. I want spirituality and spiritual things and a connection with the divine to be an active rhythm that I'm engaged in. For a lot of you, I know that's probably the same. And so it's interesting to me that so many of us cringe at the idea of surrender. One of the things that I have learned over this past year, and I think I was learning this lesson earlier, but I don't think I connected the dots until last year, was that surrendering doesn't always mean you're giving up. Surrendering doesn't always mean that somebody else won or that you no longer have power or that you are weak or that you have given up your rights to something or someone. When I say the word surrender, you know, the image that pops in my head is somebody on a battlefield raising their white flag, right? Like, I surrender, I give up, you're stronger, you're more powerful, you've beat me, you've conquered, you win. Here's my white flag, I'm staking it in the ground, I cannot beat you. There are things in my life that have felt that they've won. There are painful journeys I have ventured down where I felt like I couldn't surrender because then that would mean the pain was winning. It would mean that that person or that relationship or that situation had the upper hand and I didn't. To me, it felt like if I don't, 
kick and scream or go down with a fight, somehow I've let them conquer me. Or in my case, I've let this situation conquer me. I have let these circumstances conquer me and they're winning. I'm competitive by nature. God bless any anyone who decides to play me in any sort of game. I um, recently learned how to play chess. It's a game of strategy, which has always piqued my interest. But for whatever reason, I never learned how to play. And my kids are obsessed with chess playing right now. And so I asked my Viola if she would teach me, not realizing how thorough of a teacher that child is, I might add. Very thorough teacher. She taught me how to play chess. And God bless my children, but I have been like a monster of a chess player lately. Just like if they beat me, I'm like, no, play again. I cannot stand losing. I don't like playing games I'm not good at. I don't like participating in sports that I'm not good at. I will sit on the sidelines before I venture into something I think I might fail at. Now, on the flip side, in life, there are times when we have to get in the game right? There are times when we do take risks and we do jump in not knowing what the outcome would be. Getting married is one of those situations, I might add. Having a baby is one of those situations. Like you're jumping all in and really you have no way of knowing what that marriage will be 10 years from the day you say I do. You don't. We romanticize. We fantasize. We paint beautiful pictures, right? But no one really knows. It's a risk. You don't have a guaranteed outcome of you being a great spouse. You've never done it before. Or in my case, you have done it before. And then you're even more afraid to try again, right? But, you know, with kids, how do you know what that human's going to be like? Will you like that human? Will that human be nice to you? Will that human get along with others? Will you be good at raising the said human? Like, there is so much risk-taking that we take in our everyday life with major decisions that we don't often give ourselves much credit for. So when I look at my life and I say, I don't like to jump in unless I know I'm going to be good at it, that comes from a competitive thing, but it also comes from this idea of if I don't win, I will have to surrender. I will have to bow down and say they're the better chess player or they're the better Scrabble player or they're the better friend they're the better organization, they're the better whatever, and I suck and I'm laying down and I surrender. So surrendering a white flag brings a lot of yucky, cringy feelings inside of me. And yet, circling back to what I started saying, this past year, I've learned the power of surrender. I remember being active in church and the worship songs that that I loved at the time and would just sing at the top of my lungs about surrendering. There's hymns about surrender and, and how much these deep thinkers and theologians of our faith have tackled this idea of surrender. This past year, as many of you know, of course, I went through a divorce uh, two years ago and last year brought forth a lot of grief. Um, I went through some other issues with my family 
and a lot of painful circumstances that I, at times, didn't know that I was going to breathe the next day. And I think I got to this place of understanding where I knew when this wave of whatever it is, whether it's anger, whether it's fear, whether it's joy, whether it's pain, whether it's grief, whether it's sorrow, that the longer I fight it, the worse off I'm going to be. There's power when you see the tidal wave coming and you let go of control. It's like being out on an ocean. I think I've talked about grief before on the podcast and how much I liken it to a tidal wave. Um, And it's like this. It's like you're on a surfboard, which I've never surfed. It's like a bucket list thing. So one of these days I'm going to surf. But it's like being on a surfboard and you see the tidal wave coming and you start to feel uneasy, shaky, like um, I'm not going to stay standing through this one. I'm going to topple over. But instead of fighting it and gripping and grabbing onto that onto that board, you let your body go limp. You float under the water. You let the water toss you and tumble you all around until it pushes you back onto the shore. That's the easiest way I've been told by other surfers to deal with a tidal wave that takes you under is you relax your body and you let it have its way. Our instinct screams the opposite. And I can say this from an emotional standpoint, and I'm sure my body would go through this in a physical standpoint. Emotionally, when I feel a tidal wave of grief or I feel a tidal wave of pain or I learn information that I was not expecting to learn and it smacks me in the face, that pain instinctively I want to run from. And I'm good at running. I'm good at avoiding. I know all the tricks. I know how to busy myself with work. I know how to busy myself with people. I know how to busy myself with my kids. I know how to hide to avoid surrendering. But I've learned this last year that when that wave crashes over me, to let go, let everything in me go limp, And everything in me that wants to control and white knuckle that thing, to let go of that and just let it have its way. When you learn how to press into the thing, whatever that thing is, when you learn how to press into the situation you're avoiding, when you learn how to press into the grief that you don't want to cry about, when you learn how to press into that joy that you're too afraid to feel because what if it goes away, when you learn how to press into that situation that has you intimidated and wanting to like run and bury yourself, instead of that avoidance, that Avoidance that really means you're still holding on to some control. When you let go of that, when you let go of the outcome of your surrender, and instead you realize that to win is surrender. That's something I didn't understand until this last year, that I come up stronger when I press in to whatever the thing is I'm trying to hold on to and control the snot out of. I win. I win because there's something that happens inside of you in those places. 
When you press into what you are afraid of, whether it's conflict, whether it's a truth about yourself you're in denial about, whether it's a job situation, whether it's a marital situation, a relationship situation, whether it's painful grief, whatever it is, when you press into that and you let that thing be felt all the way through your being from head to toe, you let your body be pulled down by the weight of it and you sit with it and you get comfortable sitting with it. There's a sweet spot inside of your soul that comes to life. I don't know any other way to put it other than in those moments, I tap into a part of myself that I never get the opportunity to see unless I'm fully surrendered. And that part of me, I was trying to explain this to my mom earlier today. We were talking about this. It's a part of me I didn't know that I could tap into until I'm in that moment. For instance, in my writing, I love to write. I've been writing for a long time now. And this last year, my writing changed a bit. My tone changed. I pulled from places inside of me in my writing that I didn't know I had to pull from. There's a spot inside of your soul that when you are free of holding on to anything, You're free of trying to manipulate, to change, to get the outcome that you really want, to avoid the pain you really don't want to go through. When you surrender to whatever may be and you let your mind and your body go limp and you let the wave take you wherever it pleases, when you surface on the shore, There's a part of you that comes alive. There's a part of you that wakes up. It's almost like this part of us is asleep our whole life until this moment of surrender. And when you surrender, it's like like the coffin cracks open and the part of you that you thought was dead actually wasn't dead. It was just asleep and it wakes up and it stretches new muscles. And it touches new places of you that you didn't know you could even feel. It's a revolutionary thing. And it has been for me. And it's hard to put into words things like this because it does feel so um, otherworldly. It feels very spiritual, mystic, all those things. But there is truth in history. And historically, when you look at all the great spiritual teachers, everybody speaks to this idea of surrender. And when you look at people who cannot let go, there's a familiar thread with people like that. They age faster. They carry anxiety. They carry worry. They carry fear. They carry bitterness. Holding on is the opposite of surrender. Control is the opposite of surrender. Manipulating is the opposite of surrender. Having your way is the opposite of surrender. Maybe that's why we don't like surrender so much. Because on the surface, you put it like that and you're like, ugh, but I want to get my way. (laughs) I want things to go my way. I want to have control. I don't want to not know the outcome, right? 
these are human instincts. All of us feel those things. And some of us maybe avoid them more strongly than others. But my point is, at some point in everyone's life, and I'm seeing it in my eight-year-old who refuses to surrender, to say sorry, we have to choose how long we are going to agonize just for the sake of being right, just for the sake of saying we're still holding out, just for the sake of feeling like we've maintained control. Nobody wins in that. You might think you're winning, but the long-term effects of living and operating and thinking and breathing like that are not good. Not only mentally, not only in your soul space, but in your physical well-being as well. When I finally started connecting these dots, and like I said, it's it's taken me, I'm 37, it has taken me this long to finally connect these dots. I've had moments that I never, ever, ever thought I would have. And I don't mean that in a way of saying, oh, I always hoped this would happen and it never did. I never hoped that I would admit that I was wrong. I didn't like lay in bed at night and like fantasize about the day that I would say I'm sorry and like completely own up and take responsibility for something. I didn't hope those moments would come. When I say moments that I never thought would come, I mean the thing that I was afraid of, the thing that I stubbornly have avoided most of my life I'm now finding myself in these moments when that is the natural response coming out of me. Because when you get in the flow and the rhythm of being in tune with this part of you and this part of your soul and this part of your mind, it's so healing and therapeutic that you kind of don't want to stop. It's like, I don't want to lose touch with this sweet spot inside me because it's so good. I like her. And I don't want to not have her around. And things like control and things like anger to a point where I'm stubbornly avoiding things, things like fear, it keeps me disconnected from that amazing spot inside of me. And so as soon as I tapped into that place, when I let go and I did the thing that I was afraid of, which for me, looked like allowing myself to feel grief that I deeply did not want to feel. And I don't just mean grief over one thing, like I was grieving my divorce or I was grieving my childhood or anything like that. I mean the whole kit and caboodle, the heaviness of years of carrying undealt with grief. I know how to press into pain. That's not been an issue for me. Um, but the grief piece has been different. I, I'm a one and done kind of girl. I don't like the impracticality of dragging something out. So grief for me has been a delicate dance. And I finally was like, okay, okay. I know I dealt with this years ago, but for some reason, a wave of grief over the same darn thing is coming back. So instead of convincing myself, nope, been there, done that, moving on, I'm going to sit with this thing. And when I sat with that thing, a whole lot of other things came to join the party. And all of those things were so heavy that I almost felt like I couldn't breathe. 
And for someone who used to deal with panic attacks and still sometimes do, and for someone who relentlessly loves her control, um, that for a moment felt very terrifying. And yet, at this point in my life, I don't want to fight it anymore. And so I sat with it, with all the things. And I don't think, and I'm not a crier, like I, I don't cry all that often. Um, I want to say I like ugly gut cried for probably two, three hours, which for me is pretty unheard of. Um, I'm not going to tell you that was pleasant, but what I'm going to tell you is that when I stood up from that spot on my office floor, something in me was alive that hadn't been there before. Something in me woke up. And it took me a few days to kind of wade my way out of that grief. But when I got out of it, it's like I could see with with clear eyes again. And the heaviness and the fog that I'd felt and had been pushing aside and avoiding, it was gone. And so out of that came this rhythm that I started getting connected with of, okay, whatever the thing is that I'm feeling, I'm going to be honest with myself about it, and I'm going to sit with it. I'm going to surrender to it. And that meant a moment that I didn't see coming, and I will share that moment with you. I was sitting in the car with... um someone who I've known for quite some time. And we were talking through some things and they were some hard things. And this person and I both have a history of being historically quite stubborn. And I think that has been the detriment of our relationship, truthfully, over the years. And as we were sitting there, I could see some things I could have done differently. Some things I could have apologized for. Now, of course, their list of wrongs in my mind was like 20 pounds heavier than my two wrongs. (laughs) Isn't that sick, right? Like, why do I even think like that? But in my mind, I was like, well, their list is 20 times greater. So why would I need to apologize? Not until they do first. I sound like a five-year-old. But in my mind, this is truthfully the conversation I was having. And when I felt that wave come over me of, oof, He is right about that. I could have done that better. When that wave hit, instead of silencing it, I pressed in. And in that car, I apologized. And not because it was the quote-unquote right thing to do, which I've made many apologies out of that place. This was one that came from a, a broken place of, I'm really sorry I did that. That is not the kind of person I want to be. And I don't ever want you to feel like I would ever be that way towards you. It was wrong. And I'm so sorry. And I, you could have cut the air with a knife at that moment because this person looked at me, having known me now for 10, 12 years. And he said to me, he was like, I don't know what to say to that. Like it was an awestruck moment. Now, he certainly didn't offer any apologies himself, and that's okay. That wasn't the point. The point was, I felt the wave, 
in that moment of conviction of like, ugh, my character was not pretty in that scenario. I'm going to own it and apologize for it. I owned it. I apologized for it to someone that I feel has wronged me 20 times greater. But at the same time, that wasn't the point. And that beautiful place inside of me that for the sake of being right or the sake of not surrendering, who had been lost because of that, she came alive even more in that car. And when I said those words and I teared up and I, and I apologized and I asked for forgiveness, I'm going to tell you, I don't know what it did for him, but for me, well, I think he was really, really caught off guard and quite honestly may have thought I'd lost my mind because that was something I would really not usually do. But for me, I, I felt this like soaring freedom. I felt like in a weird way, guys, for you control freaks and you power winners, I felt like I got my power back. And who would have known an apology would have made me feel that way? But I was like, I think I have the upper hand. I know it's sick. It's I'm competitive. But in my mind, in my mind, I realized and I connected some dots that these great spiritual thinkers of old figured out a long time ago that when you are able to tap into the power of surrender, there's real legit power there. And not just power for you, but it changes the dynamic you have with other people. That person in that car felt small. And I I didn't do it intentionally. That truly, that was not my heart. But I think he felt that way because he realized he couldn't do what I just did. He was still so stubborn. He couldn't own it and he couldn't say his piece. Instead, he had to like stuff it all in. When you tap into surrender, you tap into freedom, which means you tap into authenticity, which is something we talk about a lot on this show and something I am chasing after with everything I have in me. Authentic people live from a place of surrender. I don't know your story. I don't know what it is that you want to win in. I don't know what it is that you want to feel like you can maintain control over. I don't know what it is that you feel like you need to predict the outcome or control the outcome of. Only you know that. But whatever that thing or things are, let me just offer a suggestion that maybe the freedom that you feel that you'll have if you get control, if you win, if you somehow get the outcome you think you deserve or should have, maybe that feeling actually won't come if you do it that way, if you white knuckle it and fight for it. But maybe the outcome that you, and I say outcome meaning the way you feel, the empowerment that you want, the freedom that you want, maybe that feeling will only come if you do the opposite of what you're used to doing. If you're used to fretting, controlling, threatening, manipulating. All these sound like ugly words, but don't y'all act like you don't do them. We all do this stuff. When you're used to that being your MO, when you feel fear or when you feel like you might fail or when you feel that you're caught or when you feel like you might be wrong, instead of going into the mode you're used to, 
that survivalistic thing of white knuckling until you go down screaming. Maybe you let go. Maybe you surrender to the idea of you being wrong. Maybe you surrender to the idea of this is something I can't win. Okay. Maybe you surrender the outcome. This is an outcome I can't predict. Okay. Maybe you surrender to the idea that someone else might be right. There is freedom in that place. There is a sweet spot inside of you that cannot wait for you to get introduced to, that you will not meet until you tap into this spot right here. I'm on this journey with you. I'm navigating this as I go to, and I feel like a baby bird who's flapping new wings. But what I can tell you from the year that I've had of learning this practice is that I like myself a lot better this way. And I like the flow of my life a lot better this way. And I truly feel more empowered. I truly feel more free. I truly feel more connected to God. And I feel like I'm in a flow spiritually that I haven't been in in a while. So for whatever that's worth, my encouragement to you is to just try. Just give it a whirl. Just try the idea of surrender. Love you guys. Hey there, I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. You can find my blog and links to my Instagram and Facebook account on my website at justajesusfollower.com. I hope you join us next week for another raw, honest conversation. In the meantime, go in peace and know that you are enough.